it's uncomfortable to be in a place of need. And I've been able to name that and just be vulnerable with people. I have some friends that are in a completely different place than me. They're engaged, they're planning their wedding, and they have been so supportive to me. And I've just cried to them and said, I know that right now we're in a season of I am needy and I will never forget this. It's bringing us even closer together because I'm able to share from such a a vulnerable and real space. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Chick, a Soulfire production. Hello, everyone. Bryn here and Serena on today's mm-hmm. episode of That Sex Chick. And, you know, we, we're giggling and smiling now. And our topic today is one that can be kind of heavy. And before we even started this episode, we were talking about the ways in which this topic is so similar to a storm. And I'm going to stop being so elusive here, but the topic of our conversation today is divorce. And like a storm, a divorce comes in and it can be really heavy and thick and tumultuous and tear things down. And there's also moments of reprieve and bliss and beauty. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about all of it. We're going to pull back the curtain. We're going to share some stories and things that we're both experiencing and I used to talk about this a lot because it was such a part of my story and my identity when becoming a sex coach. And so I thought it would be really important today to talk about a new angle, maybe one that I haven't talked about before, but also having someone else on our team talk to you about some things that she's been holding near and dear to her heart. And yeah, without any more hesitation or intro, I'd really love to just hand the mic over to you, Serena, and for you to share what's on your heart with our listeners, because they may be like, Bryn, why is Serena on the show today? Yeah, thank you so much. And it is, as always, an honor to be here and to be sharing my voice and my story. And my intention is to hope that this impacts and helps whoever may need to hear it. So Most of you know who I am now and know that I've been a married lady and I am at a point in my relationship and in my life where my soon-to-be ex-husband and I have decided to embark on divorce. So that decision has been made. It is final. He moved out this weekend and Bren has been an amazing ally for me throughout this process. And I'm so blessed to be a team member of Sex and Love Co., such an interpersonal job, (laughs) and to be able to show up and to be held, to be supported, and to share this with all of you is such an amazing opportunity. And I'm able to see the gratitude, the bliss, the softness and the blessings, even the lessons and the learnings that are here for me, as well as giving myself the space to feel it so deeply and to feel all of it. Mm -hmm. A book that we've been talking about on our team for a while is called Conscious Uncoupling. And I am almost all the way through that book for anybody who's listening to this show and has experience with breakups or divorce. The book is basically like you are going to feel absolutely everything that you're feeling and learn how to not be petty Mm. or resentful or rageful in the direction of your soon to be Mm ex-partner. So I have been really feeling it, really going through it. We talked before this episode about me holding the pole of the during. So I'm very much in the during part of divorce and Bren is very much in the after. So we're going to dive into what it looks like leading up to this, what it is like being in it and how to get to the other side. 
Yeah. I'm curious, you know, right away, my heart wanted to know what it was like even sharing that. Like, how are you feeling right now after claiming it and naming it? Because I remember so much of the beginning piece for me. It was hard. It was hard to say that I was getting a divorce. And I remember it feeling really constricting and at times shameful. And I'm curious, just even in sharing that on the podcast, like what you may be feeling right now. Hmm. In my body, my throat is really tense Mm. and I am definitely sweating quite a bit and I feel uncomfortable in sharing it because it is such a deep part of who I am and how I identify and how I've, my life, it is, it's my life, you know, and it's changing drastically. And so of course there's going to be discomfort and vulnerability with that. And I, it is time. I've Mm -hmm. been radio silent on social media for like two months and we didn't share about it with our family or our friends for a while because we were really trying to make it work mm-hmm. for months. <laughs> so it's been a long time coming. And so I am in an okay place to talk about it, even though there is a big level of discomfort there for sure. But I have been processing it for quite some time now. Yeah. Yeah. I remember actually a friend of mine saying that for women, I forget the actual statistic, but the number of women that usually are the ones that leave first is significantly higher because women will do the processing and the grieving and the getting themselves emotionally ready, physically ready, financially ready, sometimes for like years before they actually make that leap. And so it's not surprising to me to hear that, you know, you've been doing a lot of processing and staying quiet. And then for me though, at least, and I imagine this may be true for you, the more I spoke about it, the less charge it held over me and there more healing that was available. At first, it was hard to even choke the word out. And then, mm-hmm. you know, years later, I speak about my divorce, like I speak about the weather. It's like, it just it <laughs> is. And oh, I look forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I know, like you said, I'm going to hold the pull of what's possible after. So let's rewind a bit though, because you started to allude to, you worked really hard on things. And honestly, we didn't, like, I'm just going to name that Chris and I didn't work hard on things. I really named and just claimed that I wanted a separation and I didn't know what that was going to lead to. And we didn't go to couples counseling. We didn't have a mediator. We didn't talk consistently. It was so clear that when we were done, we were just done. But I didn't know that until I spoke into my desire of wanting space. And for a while, I actually struggled really hard with the fact that I just left. And there was a big question mark for periods of time of, did I make the right decision? But I want to rewind for you because let's talk about the before, like the piece where you were working on it. So let's talk about what were some of the red flags, the warning signs, like when did this start even coming up in your awareness that you could be leading in this direction? Mm. Yeah. So That is a great question. We started having things coming to a head in December of last year, and we communicate about things at links. And so I believe I brought it up and just said, hey, let's just bring this to the table as something to talk about, not because I think we're going to choose it, not because I want to choose it. But I wanted to almost start that release of the charge around it before it even got there. Mm. So I believe I originally brought it up just as a conversation in a very healthy way to Mm. support both of us and give us as many opportunities as we could to be happy. And when I started to realize it was going that way, my story everybody pretty much knows your story and mine is very different from yours. 
David was the initiator of our divorce. So he is the one that ultimately asked for it. And just to be clear, this is my perception. Obviously, there's two sides to every story, and I will do my best to share from a really neutral and loving place throughout this entire episode because I have nothing but love for him. But my perception is that I really was the only one trying (laughs) to make things work. And Mm -hmm. so when I said we really tried, the correction there would be that I really tried. And that in and of itself was a very big red flag to me. I was not being met. Things like going to counseling or hiring a coach to work with us were hard no's for him for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until towards the end when we were leading in very much so to the side of choosing divorce that he said, oh, I wonder if. I would have done that if things would have played out differently. And he almost regretted not trying that option. Yeah. And that wasn't the only thing that was presented that I presented to the relationship and to the conversation to help make things work. But that was definitely a huge fucking red flag in my face. I was like, what the hell, bro? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I can't imagine, you know, Chris and I didn't even like bring that to the table. Neither one of us, it really felt like we had both, we both had so much resentment and suppressed needs, suppressed withholds, so many things that we were just both stuffing down and stuffing down and stuffing down that by the time I made the decision, while yes, there was pain and sadness and hurt, it felt like a sigh of relief, I think for both of us, because we both I think had just gone beyond where we wanted to repair. And I don't think most relationships ever get to the place of totally beyond repair. I think almost anything is salvageable if two people want to work on it. And that was a hard pill to swallow when I realized that if I wanted to, we probably could have made things work. Mm -hmm. But it's really fucking hard when only one person is trying. Well, it's not a relationship or partnership or marriage if one person is the only person trying. And, you know, to be fair, I held I held the vision of us working on it because he had his own experiences in his personal life. Some things were happening with his family. And so I really wanted to be a devoted partner and a devoted wife and and hold so much compassion. And so I was joking with my friends this past weekend and I'm like, I really wish one of you just like shook me and was like, Serena, (laughs) like get out. I know. But the process is what it is and we're here now and I am grateful for how things played out because I don't have any regrets. I could totally see that for you. I remember being so moved to tears multiple times in our team meetings by how the word you just used, devoted you were, because it pinged something in me where I wasn't devoted. I think you could say that maybe I was devoted during my relationship, but not even, I think I had no real fucking clue what it meant to be committed to someone. And so there was definitely a charge for me around seeing the way you just really opened your heart and stayed. And I think it's really admirable. And like, I've found so much growth in learning and seeing you go through this process, even in retrospect, because I see where my tendency is to want to hit the exit button. Even now in new love, you know, in the after when the tiniest thing doesn't go right. I'm like, "Eh, I could find someone else. And that's like, whoa, that part of me still, you know, that little girl in me that is afraid, afraid of losing love. So wants to leave first because dad left. And Mm -hmm. it's now it's not so much for me about like healing that piece. Cause I think that's so elusive. That means like that part of me won't exist. I think I just get to claim that that part of me may always be there, but I'm learning how to find comfort and ease in staying. And Mm -hmm. you did the opposite. Like you really stayed. And so I'm curious for you, if even any part of you looking back, like you said, you know, you wanted your friend to shake you if you could go back or you were saying this to a girlfriend, at what point do you think it is wise to leave? Like, at what point do you say, 
okay, like I've really given this my best effort. For me, it was when my nervous system was being impacted in a negative way almost daily. And I have a childhood and upbringing of trauma, and I'm very aware of my body, my nervous system, my triggers, how to navigate all of it, hold myself, feel safe to heal. And so I just had a moment where I'm like, shit, every day I'm I'm getting activated and hot and stressed, and this is not healthy for me. And when you're in it or when I was in it, in it, in it, like fighting every day, fighting weekly, deep in the throes of (laughs) figuring out if we're going to get a divorce or not. There are moments in those spaces that I'm sure anybody that's ever had a tumultuous relationship or a period of time where their relationship was challenged could relate. But I was questioning my reality. I'm like, yeah, am I crazy? Like, did I, it, what is this right? Is this really happening? Where am I? (laughs) Who am I right now? How am I showing up? Did I cause this? Like, so just so many questions to the point where I really leaned. And I know this is going to be a big part of our conversation, but thank God for my friends and my support system and my family, because I would come to them genuinely as unbiased as possible and just say, like, please give me feedback. Like, tell me what I'm doing wrong so that I can fix it because I only have control over myself. And the feedback that I was getting was that I'm I'm doing great and I'm doing everything that I can and to not question my reality. I got a lot of affirmation and beautiful reflections that were so needed. And I have cried so many times to my friends individually and in group settings and just said, thank you. Mm. Because I literally would have lost my mind. I would be insane if I didn't have you. I think you touched on a really important thing that I don't want to skip over, which is that a warning sign of a relationship going south is when you really start to question your your truth your core like who you are who you know to be true and that happened a shit ton in my marriage it clearly was happening a lot for you at least towards the end it's happened for me in dating and now to me it is the quickest like flashing light of something has gone astray because I know we've both done so much work, therapy and coaching and somatic release and psychedelics and you name it. Like there's so many things we've done individually. And for me at this point in my life to really doubt myself means something's gone wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's misalignment is what it is. Yeah, totally. So I think that's a really important thing for people listening to, to name and notice if you are consistently questioning and feeling confused about your feelings. I know for me, that was another one. It was like, I went in so sure that I was sad. And now I'm not sure. Like I'm questioning if what I'm feeling is valid. I'm questioning if I did something wrong. And that was like, okay, I'm fucking done. Done questioning myself because I'd rather take all bets and put them on me than be a woman in a relationship that is consistently questioning herself and her truth because that did not feel good. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for double clicking on that because it is very important. And everything that I felt throughout this process, and I'm sure you felt, and what listeners might be feeling as well, it's valid. Mm-hmm. And we get to lean into that and listen to that. And I know for me, like I said, a big part of that was leaning on my community and my Mm -hmm. friends and my team and you. (laughs) And I know for me, if I could go back and tell myself anything, it would be to stop trying to analyze and logic and understand my feelings. Just trust them. Trust Mm -hmm. that this really intense thing I'm feeling in my core that is saying to leave is truthful And it's okay to zoom out and to pause. It's not saying that we have to always act in the moment on those feelings, but usually where I go astray in my life is when I start to really try to analyze and logic my feelings. So 
I'm yeah, curious absolutely. for you, because you got you were telling me about the point in which you started to name that divorce was on the table and where you got comfortable saying like, okay, this isn't really working anymore. But what were the pieces that you think were causing you to be unhappy or that were causing him to be unhappy? Whether it, your truth or his truth, what were some of those red flags? So when you talk to him and you talk to me, our realities are vastly different. And that is in and of itself one of, again, another red flag. Mm-hmm. We need to, in partnership, be able to see the other person and validate them whether or not we agree there needs to be a level of i want to understand you i am curious about you how can we meet each other in the middle and Mm -hmm. that wasn't happening Mm -hmm. so this is completely you know my side and my perspective of what went wrong it started for me when we had a discussion surrounding opening our marriage and It was specifically with a friend of his that he desired physical intimacy with and was asking permission to explore that. And this is a new thing for me in relationships. I have a little bit of experience with poly and and sexual play and being in open dynamics, but it is limited. It's not something I've fully committed to and dove into the deep waters of. So there's still a lot of things I'm figuring out for myself in that process. And he has a lot of experience with it. And so I really was looking to him to lead and to create safe spaces for me to dive deep into this exploration of our relationship. And at the time, I did not know if I was comfortable with us exploring our friends sexually. And I got to sit with that and I took a few days and I really sat with it and decided with with this particular friend that it was a no for me. I was still forming a friendship myself with this person. And in my mind, if I wanted all of us to be in each other's lives happily and in love for the long haul, I needed more time to create a foundation with this person before I felt comfortable allowing that to happen. And that's not to say maybe there's shadow there for me. Maybe it was, you know, my bad, my jealousy, my things, my blocks that were getting in the way, but it it was what was true for me at the time. And it's a conversation that my boundaries, in my opinion, were not fully respected. Mm-hmm. And so we kept having the conversation and and tension kept building. And then, of course, tension built, you know, for him in his desire for this person, because that's how energy works. So the tension's just building. And I got to a place where I was not feeling prioritized. Mm-hmm. And my emotional needs were not being met. Mm-hmm. And over time, this is, we're talking over the course of, you know, a year and a half that this was going on. Wow. Over time, my emotional needs not being met, and this is very common in relationships, influenced his sexual needs to not being met. Yep. Because I didn't feel safe and open and I wasn't able to really show up sexually, even in the ways that I wanted to, like I wanted to show up and do all the things, you know, but my body was like, "Mm, nope, (laughs) not happening. Mm -hmm. So that was really where it all started. I mean, same. (laughs) So I've talked about this as well. Chris and I opened our relationship. And so it's curious to me that in both of our relationships, opening things up was, it was a point of tension for both of us. Now, knowing that, will you be open to open relationships in the future? Is that something that you would consider continuing into the future? Yes, a hundred percent. I feel open to that. 
And that's one of the blessings and the learnings that I've been able to take away from this experience is I fucking know now what I want and what I don't want and what I'm willing to compromise and what I'm not willing to compromise. And so, yeah, a hundred percent am open to it. And my ideal would be being someone's primary partner, their life partner in a hierarchical relationship where we make decisions together. So if I am not comfortable with a relationship my partner wants to have, I have authority mm-hmm. in saying this isn't working for me. Yeah. And that is prioritized over whatever else is going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I agree. I think it can be done beautifully and in integrity and in love and in a place of abundance where there isn't the scarcity mindset of, you know, I lose this person when they're with you. And like you said, having a say in the matter, and it's not this just being swept up by lust. Cause for me, that's what it was. So it's just interesting also to reflect on how in our separations, a lot of opposites. Like I was in some ways more like David in this experience where I fell for someone hard and my emotional and sexual needs were not being met, which made it all the more easy to fall into someone's arms and to be swept up by that process. And looking back, I'm like, oh, could Chris and I have even navigated that had we had all of these conversations on the front end. And then I think the reality is no, that there's only so much you can say and name and do your best to meet each other and values on the front end. But if you're with someone for years, those two people are going to have deaths and rebirths and be so many different versions of themselves. And so all you can do is when you, for me at least, find someone you want to spend time with. I'm not even going to say forever because I don't think that's the success of a relationship. But when you find someone that you love, that you want to commit to and build a life together is, is find the common ground and find the things that are your must haves, and then trust that that is what will get you through. And then knowing that at times you two may grow apart, you may decide that things are different, more important values change, attractions change. But I really want to just commend you for, like I said, the fact that you've tried so hard and that you, I think this is also where the shadow side of like consciousness and the healing community can come out because there's a level in which you can take so much responsibility that it's to a fault, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like you start blaming yourself for, or looking for too long for like, what's my part in this versus just owning that. It's okay to just walk away. Right. Or it's okay Mm -hmm. that maybe you don't really have much of a part in this. Maybe it was more one-sided and that's okay. Looking to spice up your toy box. Yoni Pleasure Palace is still at the very top of my list for high quality sexual and sensual products. Every time I go to their website, I am more and more impressed by their perfectly curated items. My husband, Jordan, and I recently received a brand new waterproof blanket that is in my favorite color, violet purple. We also received a stainless steel and rose quartz anal plug that is so sleek and sexy. Jordan loves when we use this. My personal favorite lube for self-pleasure is Yoni Elixir. It smells so light and delicious and is made with rose hip seed and jojoba oil. Literally, Every item I have from YPP becomes a favorite. I've given a cervix serpent to a friend for her birthday, Yoni elixir as mother's blessings gifts for my soon-to-be mama friends to massage their vulvas and vaginal walls in preparation for birth and to encourage them to invite more pleasure into that process. I've traveled all over the world with my YPP waterproof blankets, and I consistently reach for my gorgeous glass and crystal toys for self-pleasure practices. It is an absolute dream to be working with a brand I was already so head over heels in love with. Should you wish to add Yoni Pleasure Palace to your personal collection or to help a significant other add to their collection, check out the links in the show notes to receive special discounts on your items. Yeah, and the book I mentioned in the beginning, Conscious Uncoupling, 
That is a huge part of the process of this book is taking almost radical responsibility for your role, even though it's painful. It is really painful to to look, take a deep look at self and say, where did I fuck up? Like, yeah. what did I do that yeah. contributed to this? Mm-hmm. Um, even in subtle ways, subtle things can make a big impact on a relationship. And so, yeah, I go back to something I've said a few times throughout this process is if my original boundary was just respected and it was a no, and it was never brought up again, and I formed a deep friendship with this person, we could be happily married right now, and he could be dating this person and doing whatever he wants to do with this person also. Mm-hmm. And so that is a way that I could have taken more responsibility is by holding that boundary for myself. But because I wasn't super clear Mm-hmm. on what exactly I wanted and needed when it comes to opening my marriage and opening my relationship. I gave myself space to explore and things just shook out the way that they did. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I commend you for taking radical responsibility. I had to almost go into victim mode at first. And I remember my therapist telling me like, she's like, Brynn, you've done the work. You're a very aware woman be a victim for a little bit. Let yourself get really mad. Let yourself hate him. Let yourself, even though it was my decision, there were still clearly things that had really bothered me about the way that he showed up. And after, for me, it was only after I let myself be a victim, was I able to take radical responsibility. It was like, I couldn't take full ownership until I almost worked through my anger first And then on the other side was like, okay, now I can actually take a look at myself and then COVID hit. And then I had to take a look at myself. So (laughs) yeah, Yeah, (sighs) I get that. I have definitely had some ragers, some rage sessions, you know, and they are needed. (laughs) They're a hundred percent needed in this process. And I have found myself leaning into being a victim. And that's also a really touchy subject for Mm -hmm. me personally, because part of my growth in this path and, you know, my karma, my dharma in this lifetime is learning how to not be the victim. And so Mm -hmm. it's been a very interesting dance throughout this process of consciously choosing and allowing myself to go there in a healthy way and staying grounded in the process and coming out feeling, you know, genuine relief and reprieve in my body and having more clarity in my system. And it sucks and it's awesome and it's all of it. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I love that you named that because there's so many ways to go through this. So many. For you, it's the total opposite. Your your soul needs to learn how to not be in that place, how to not go into victim mode. My soul needed to just really let myself be a victim because I had just totally been the opposite for so long. Like everything is fine. I will be fine. And just ignored the fact that there was so much pain. I wasn't feeling anything. And you're a deep feeler. And I think that's also going to hopefully allow you to move through this process with a bit more ease than maybe I had. Not that any of this is easy, but Mm -hmm. I was in a very different place emotionally when I left my marriage than I think you are, meaning you have a lot more tools. And so I'm curious, actually, if we could move to like the center of the storm now, because we've talked a bit about the warning signs, opening the relationship, the things that possibly led to the divorce. Now what's happening during? So what are some of the ways that you've supported yourself? You named tantrums, you named leaning on friends, but how have you held yourself through this process? What can people do to support themselves when going through arguably one of the hardest things a human can go through outside of like death and sickness? Divorce is up there. It's really fucking hard. Mm Mm-hmm. What comes up immediately is feeling. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's going to be so many more moments where I get to fully feel. And it's not convenient always, (laughs) but I might see something 
that reminds me of David and just break down. And instead of saying, Ooh, I, I don't want to cry. I'm not going to cry. I'm going to mess up my makeup. And I, I have like something to do in an hour or whatever it is. I have allowed myself to just cry and go as deep as I can just for a brief moment and have those releases. And I think we live in such a a fast-paced society where feeling our feelings and being connected to our emotional bodies and our experiences is a little bit more taboo at times. And so genuinely, if I could give any advice, it would be to surrender in those moments and just let yourself, if you're angry, like take a moment and be angry. And if you're sad, take a moment, just a moment (laughs) and be sad Mm -hmm. and let it move through you. And another really big thing for me has been listening to my body. Eating has been hard. Sleeping has been hard, but I do know how to take care of myself. And I have been drinking a lot of raw juice. And of course I had a day where I went to the grocery store and spent like $75 on junk food and just let myself have a, you know, a little breakup moment ice cream and vegan pizza and all that shit, but really taking care of my body and my vessel because it is holding me during this time. And I deserve to feel good in it as good as I can feel as I'm processing this. And so it really comes down to basics, like basic human needs, taking care of my body, letting myself feel it. Mm, Yeah. Gosh, it's, I mean, it's not sexy advice, but it works because it's like, I know for me, it was the same. Like there's nothing that I would add or change to that. It was take care of your basic needs, sleeping, food, shelter, making sure that you have, and I, you know, when I say shelter, it sounds silly, but it's like, when you're going through a divorce, that shit is real. Like, where am I going to stay next? Do I have to move? Do I have the money to move? Like, what does it look like when we separate our finances? And so there's this real need for, like root chakra, groundedness, Mm -hmm. safety. And sometimes things like having a hearty meal of like earthy root vegetables is the exact thing that your soul needs to help you stay connected and grounded. And, you know, clearly I'm getting a little bit more woo here, but it's what your soul may need is just the basics. And if you aren't resourced enough to do those, can you at least allow yourself to be supported in that, Mm -hmm. whether that's with a girlfriend, a family member, somebody that is on your team in your company. And it sounds like luckily you've had, you know, pieces of all three to support you in that. So blessed. I am so, so blessed during this process. I know one of the teachings that we really drive home as a company is how important it is to have supportive friendships and communities outside of a relationship. And I am, I am so embodied in that right now. (laughs) I would not be where I am or even be able to be here talking about this with you if I didn't have the support that I do. And I feel so deeply supported and I want to share and drive that home because it is possible. And some examples of just how supported I am. I had a conversation with a friend and I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm packing up David's stuff, going back to the root chakra and the home. My home is a disaster right now. And that definitely weighs on me. And it is something that I am taking the time and the efforts to uh, tend to, but it takes time Mm -hmm. and energy and support to do that. But I was talking to my friend about how I am the one packing up our stuff and sorting through our life and teasing it all apart. And she was like, oop, I'm going to fly out there and we're going to pack up his stuff together. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Um, So I allow myself to receive. And I have another friend who came to me and is like, I know your love language is physical touch. And if you ever just want to snuggle one night or you need that, I am so here for it. And I want to support you and literally hold you in that. Um, So yeah, these are just some small examples of really truly how supported I am. And I, I am not taking it for granted and it's uncomfortable to be in a place of need, 
And I've been able to name that and just be vulnerable with people. I have some friends that are in a completely different place than me. They're engaged, they're planning their wedding, and they have been so supportive to me. And I've just cried to them and said, I know that right now we're in a season of I am needy and I will never forget this. Like, Ooh. and it, it's bringing us even closer together because I'm able to share from such a, a vulnerable and real space. I got, there's so many things I want to touch on. I know exactly what you're talking about. That feeling of it was so uncomfortable being in a place of vulnerability where I was like, I, I need people. I need, I need food. I need check-ins. I need bodies to help me move into my apartment. There were so many times when I had COVID, I like, I, I needed people around me in a way I'd never understood. And I remember thinking like, even though I logically understood it was never tit for tat, there was this part of me that kept thinking like, I can't wait to give this back one day. I can't wait to, because I could cry just thinking about it. It feels so good to be cared for at that level. And I'm on the other side now. And I have had girlfriends that I've gotten to return the favor for. And it feels like when you're on the other side of it, it feels like a fuck. Yeah. This is what I signed up for. This is when I get to be your friend, not through the sunshine and rainbows. That's fun. I love dancing through sunshine and rainbows with my girlfriends. And it feels just as good to go, oh, fuck, like you're in the trenches. Hold on. Let me go grab my boots. Like I'll be right there. (laughs) And so I'm also curious too, if you have any advice for listeners who, because I'm hearing this and I'm like, okay, this sounds really great when you've got it. But what about the woman that wants to leave her marriage and who doesn't have this? What would you say to her? Mm. What comes up is how can you mother yourself? Mm. How can you tend to yourself and be resourceful? Just a little bit of share here. I have been living on my own since I was 17 and I had to grow up really, really fast in my life. And I had a conversation this weekend with my friends that were here in town and we were playing a game of just asking deep questions and sharing conscious space, you know, and they were sharing about how their parents have been so supportive and they're figuring out how to be more independent and to be resourceful for themselves. And it got to my turn and I was the only one in our group that was like, yeah, I I didn't have that growing up. I've just been doing it and figuring it out and the universe provides. And so there is a level of trust and surrender in yourself and that you are provided for and knowing that everything that you need is there. And so it may not be the most sound advice, but if you know in your body that it's time to leave, I bet as soon as you make that decision and do it, resources show up. People show up and you've got you. Mm -hmm. It's so true. And, you know, if you are the person in the experience that wants to leave, I fully stand by what you said of like learning how to be that thing for yourself in this moment. And maybe if you're listening to this episode, you are being witness to someone going through this that maybe doesn't have a support system. You really just never know what someone is going through and what they have. And so how can you show up for that person in a time of need? For example, one of my girlfriends just went through a gnarly separation, really gnarly. We live in different states and I wasn't in a place where I could go fly out to be with her. And I remember, even though I went through this, still struggling to be like, fuck, how do I show up for her? So number one, remembering you can ask, just ask. Mm -hmm. Yes. Is it nice to sometimes not have to ask and have somebody just do for you? Yes. But it's okay to ask when in doubt, like, hey, what would be the most supportive thing for you right now? Would it be a meal? Maybe give them some options. Would it be, I come to sit next to you while you pack? Is it me just checking in on you daily. I mm-hmm. Never underestimate the fucking beauty of a 
how are you? I'm thinking of you text. So valuable. And both times for her and for me, something that was so valuable that I actually am grateful I get to talk about it because it's so simple, but so impactful was a list, somebody making me a list that happened to me a couple of days, not in my divorce, when I was overwhelmed about something. And one of my girlfriends goes, here, sit down. I'm going to make you a list. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, I can breathe. It was like, I was in such a state of overwhelm that I couldn't even ask for what my needs were. That's where I believe real overwhelm is, is when you can't even ask for it. Mm-hmm. And your friend going through your divorce may be in that place. And so even something like, hey, why don't I come over and I make a list with you and we can go through step-by-step all the things that you have to work through and do. And if there are some on the list I can take for you, maybe I can take some of those. It's really powerful. So just the act of showing up is really powerful. Yeah, I agree. And being in it right now and at times in that state of overwhelm, my answer often when people have checked in with me what do you need? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I just have no idea, but I receive your love and please continue to check in on me. Mm-hmm. The check-in, the food, the list making, like the simple things that are really just so helpful when you're not in a place of groundedness. So yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have any rules around contact right now? What do your boundaries look like in terms of the the uncoupling? Yeah. So I think we're still figuring that out. I actually just got to put up a boundary this week. So generally speaking, I am more of the anxious style of partner and he is more of the avoidant style of partner. And so there are a lot of things throughout this process that he has taken an avoidant approach to discussing with me or like he asked for a divorce over the phone mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was in another state, just to give an example. And I'm not saying it in a shameful way. I just want to give an example of what that can actually look like in reality when you have an avoidant person who doesn't know what the fuck to do. And I have compassion for that. And so there were some things being discussed in text message and I found myself getting really charged and I'm like, I don't like this. I don't want to talk about this over text message. I'm not open for this. Can we find a time to meet at the end of the week, this weekend, and and then we can talk. Mm -hmm. And so we are still navigating all of that. And like I said, he has some things going on in his personal life with his family. So I am being very patient and very compassionate and loose with this and also aware of myself and my well-being and where I might need to prioritize myself a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I asked because I changed my mind a bit. At times, I think rigid boundaries can be really helpful in separation because I picture humans separating like baby giraffes, you're just wobbly. And if there aren't good boundaries in place, that's where the breakup sex can come into play. The, will I miss you? Or the, and this is speaking a little bit more to like when you know it's really just not a good fit and you need to put some of those boundaries in place. It may be different when it's two people that really love each other that want to work through things. But even then, I come from the understanding, but I also tend to fall in the avoidance space that space is a good thing, especially Mm -hmm. when separating, because it gives you space to number one, find your power. And number two is to hear yourself, to hear your thoughts, to reclaim your energy and remember who you are, what your needs are, what your desires are. And maybe they are to come back together in union and to try to work through things again, like from a place of, if you're not yet to this place of divorce. But also I know people that have gotten divorced that have gotten remarried. So Mm -hmm. same. you and I come from the place of anything is possible. We know that we teach that for a living. You can create any relationship you want. You can create any separation you want, and you can create any type of transition on the other side. You know, I have friends that self-included are friendly with their exes that keep in touch. I just texted my ex-boyfriend today. He was texting me about 
my birthday. And he's like, I love you. I was like, I love you too. And that's possible with him, with others. It hasn't been possible. And so it's hard to know though, when you're in it, which is Mm -hmm. why taking space and having boundaries around communication can be really valuable. Yeah. We have a general understanding that space is needed and we're honoring that. And it's part of why once the decision was made, the next step was, okay, it's time to get different living arrangements. And Mm -hmm. so I agree. And it also truly depends on the dynamics, the context of the uncoupling or divorce, the separation, the genuine desires. But I think there is a need for self-sufficiency and reconnection to self for sure. So yeah, I think we both desire to be friends. We're both holding that vision and I don't know how we'll get there right now. And it's going to be messy. And that's something I shared with him recently is it's going to be messy and we're going to have moments where we don't show up as the best version of ourselves throughout this process. And we can both be petty at times. So just being mindful of that and being open to talking about it and choosing love is really important. And sometimes choosing love looks like putting up a boundary and sometimes it looks like communicating. So it just depends. Or coming back to love once you realize you strayed, right? Because like you said, you're human and there will be moments where maybe a fuck you comes out because you're human. I know I had a couple of those that came out in my divorce and then it was like, okay, how do we repair and come back to love? Because I do want to separate from a place of love. And I mean, I wrote really publicly about how Chris and I were on the same zoom screen, holding hands and crying the day that we said it made it formal through the court system because we weren't going back to Florida to finalize the divorce. So it was all done virtually, which was so weird, but like that was where we were at. And we've also had space since, and we're not as close as we were when we separated. And so that was just our journey. And I'll be cheering you on in whatever capacity that looks on the other side. But I'm curious because now that we're sort of rounding the home here and we're, you're looking towards the future. I know you're in it now and you're staying present now, but there will be a period where this is all said and done and you'll get to look back on this podcast and even remember like this moment and who you were through all of this. And gosh, what a blessing. Oh yeah. And I'm curious if let's just do this for you now. Like if you were to name the next chapter of your book of your life, what would you want to name it? I feel a little, I guess fear of judgment is what comes up because this feels like the obvious answer, (laughs) but reclamation is what comes up. I feel like that's a very common post-divorce, you know, I want to have something super wise and different and unique to say here, but what feels right is reclaiming myself because I got pretty lost in the experience, which I've spoken about on this episode. So I look forward to being on the other side. Mm, That's beautiful. And I don't think there's anything basic or common about that. I think, yes, there's a theme for a lot of people and if let it be a theme for a reason, because like you said, there is a commonality in that for women and if that's your experience, then then beautiful. Like step into that reclamation fully. And Obviously, I'm not there because I can't even reclaim my reclamation yet. Yeah, but, but we'll okay. get there. Yeah, 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 we'll get there. And the, like you said, it's you're being with it now, and there is no needing to get to the next chapter. It's going to show up when it's ready. And that was a big lesson for me in surrender. Is letting go of control, trying to force this, push this along, make it happen when it wasn't ready to. The divorce happened exactly when it was supposed to. And I got to release the timeline of how it was going to look and when it was going to happen. But one of my girlfriends, the same one that I've alluded to in the episode, who's going through the separation, she, she's going through the waves and she messaged me. And a lot of her messages now are about like seeking validation for what she's feeling. And she messaged me and she's like, I just feel really lonely. 
like, do you remember feeling lonely? I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. fuck yeah. I felt so lonely. And she was considering this concept of for like the first time in her life, she wasn't what she considered someone's like person. You know, she's like, Mm -hmm. when I was younger, it was my family. And then she's like, oh, and I went straight into a relationship after college. And then right after that, I met this person. And so she's like, I've always been someone's person. So she's like, for the first time in my life, I'm no one's person. And I said to her, well, maybe it's time you're your own and that you're the most Mm -hmm. important person for yourself in this next chapter. And yeah, maybe that's a commonality, but it's a pretty fucking beautiful one. So yeah, I'm excited oof. for that to be for you too. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I, I already feel so much resonance with it because like I said already, I had to grow up really, really fast and I didn't really have a choice in the matter. And so one of my big karmic lessons throughout this process has been choosing myself, mm. like actually making the choice and choosing myself. Mm. It is an active choice. Truly. Yeah. And that's really beautiful. And I'm sure, like you said to the listeners, there will be many beautiful things that come in the act and daily decision of choosing yourself. So I'm excited to see what they are. Thank you. And I also want to thank you so much, Bren, for being a shining light for Mm -hmm. me throughout this process and showing me what is possible and also sharing on this episode and showing anyone else who may need to hear it what is possible on the other Mm -hmm. side. Yeah, it really gets to be so beautiful. It does. And at first the blank canvas can be overwhelming because you're like, well, fuck, I've never had this much freedom in my life. And then that becomes, fuck, I have so much freedom. Look at what I'm going to do with it. And so the overwhelm becomes excitement for creation. And then bit by bit, you start to create a whole new reality beyond what you knew was possible. And so for anyone listening, let the ending of a relationship be a really beautiful redirection for what you really want and what is meant for you, what is on its way to you already. And it just gets to be even more beautiful than you've imagined. And every time I fell in love after my relationship, I learned something about myself I grew, I got clear on my vision and love. And here I am three years later, still like, wow, I can't believe it keeps getting better. My relationships keep getting better. The love keeps going deeper. The level that I can receive is so much more significant. I fuck, I just went on a trip to Italy with a mm-hmm. man that flew me out to go be with him. And it was like, Bryn in her marriage, when she was settling for scraps, would have never fucking knew that that was possible. So I want to go back and shake myself and shake anyone that thinks that they have to settle because every time I've taken the next leap, it has created so much more space for the depths and the heights of love that I didn't even know were possible. And so I want every woman, every person to know what that's like. And if you're settling for anything other than a fuck yes, doesn't mean that you have to walk away in this moment, but start asking yourself hard questions, right? Like start Mm -hmm. looking to the places where you're afraid to look, afraid to ask, just to see what's there. Doesn't mean that you have to, again, say the D word yet or at all, but really you get to have it all. Mm -hmm. And I know that we're both champions for that. And Now we get to be living examples for that too. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, my doll, anything that is on your heart that you would like to leave our listeners with as you navigate this process, anything on your heart that you'd like to share? Mm. I just want to acknowledge how powerful it can be to choose love and also how hard it can be to do that too. And I'm integrating all of these things and I'm, I'm so honored to be here and to share it and I'll continue to do so. And we are here for you too. If you're feeling alone or you don't have support, just know that you are loved and everything you need is here even more so than what you need. But like Bren was saying, everything that you desire is available. So Mm -hmm. 
I want to extend my hand and open my heart to anyone who may need to hear that. And if you are the person that doesn't have support in your life, whether that's through girlfriends or family, this is the work we do in the world. We're not on pedestals. We are in it with you. We're just a couple of steps ahead. And we've done a lot of work. We've spent a lot of money on our education and we've gone through deep healing and deep amounts of embodied understanding to get to a place where we also love holding people through the same experience. And so you don't have to do it alone. And we're here for you to guide you through that process. And so Serena, thank you for being so vulnerable today and for sharing your heart, because I guarantee there will be a lot of people that learn and are grateful for your level of transparency. And even in just listening to this podcast, let someone feel less alone in their Mm -hmm. divorce and their consideration of divorce and the other side of the divorce. And I hope that I get to be an example of what is possible in that. So thank you for being here today. And I love you. I love you too. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.